Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Emmaus Way. Uh, we are a church here in Durham, a community of people who have been captured by the gospel of Jesus Christ uh, and are finding ways to live into that gospel uh, here in our community, which happens to be Durham, North Carolina. So uh, thank you guys for coming tonight. Um, I have a couple of announcements. One is uh, tonight we will be having our sort of quarterly ecclesia meeting, which is our sort of where we do the business of uh, this particular community. So if you're someone who feels like you're a member of this community, you're curious about becoming a member of this community, or you like free pizza, please stick around for the ecclesia meeting. Uh, we'll be wrapping up uh, the service probably around 6 o'clock. Uh, and then we will have a whole table full of pizzas that will arrive. Even if you don't want to stick around for the meeting, feel free to stick around and have a couple of slices of pizza. Um, and then we'll try and start at 6.15 and then be done around 7.15 with, uh, with the Ecclesia business. Um, also, next week, we are going to have uh, a, sort of a slightly different sort of service. We're going to have an evening of storytelling around some of our missional partnerships. So for those of you who are new to Emmaus Way, we have a number of different missional partners that we work with uh, in the community and uh, people working elsewhere in the world. So uh, those include Africa Rising, Durham Can, uh, Reality Ministries, Antioch Builds Community, and a relatively new and church world service. Um, and so what we're hoping to have is people coming in to share stories related to those five partnerships. So if you have a story that you're interested in telling, it doesn't have to be a long story, it doesn't have to be an elaborate story, but uh, we would love to hear those. Um, and you can email me or email Tim or Amy or Dan um, and just let us know sort of uh, what you would like to, to tell a story about. And then we're going to pair that with a potluck meal. So we'll have a, a, a potluck sign-up that will go out this week. But next week, storytelling and, uh, and a potluck meal. That's May the 12th. Um, otherwise, announcements. Uh, we had the Durham Can Public Delegates Assembly today. Um, several of us were able to make it to that. We're announcing our new agenda, um, which includes a lot of exciting uh, opportunities to get involved, helping with... Uh, Immigrant families in the in the Triangle area, helping out with uh, education, with transportation and housing affordability, food security. Um, anyway, we're initiating a lot of new teams. So if you're interested in Durham Can, now is a great time to get involved with that. Uh, you can talk to Dan Rhodes, who's not here tonight, but his email address will be on our website. You can talk to me, you can talk to Tim, you can talk to Dave Thiessen. Um, all of us can get you hooked up. With, uh, with that. Um, am I missing anything else? No, no. Okay, so um, I want to take the opportunity to welcome, uh, we have Sarah Howell with us tonight, coming all the way from Winston-Salem, North Carolina, to uh, help us out with music. So if you could take just a second and introduce us to your band and maybe tell us a little bit about yourself, that'd be great. This is my band. <laughs> That's funny. Um, well, this is Katie DeCanto. If her name sounds familiar, there are a lot of DeCantos in the room right now. And that's Stephen DeCanto, and that's Tiffany Prest. And I'm Sarah, and I'm a pastor at a church in Winston-Salem, and I'm glad to be here. Well, we're very glad to have you with us tonight. We're very glad to have all of you with us tonight. So uh, uh, now uh, Sarah and the gang are going to lead us into a couple songs of preparation, but welcome to Amazing.
Joshua stand behind me and just say, that was awesome the whole time I'm talking tonight. It's going to be our little cheerleader in the back. Well, thank you guys so much for coming and sharing with us tonight. Um, I'm Amy. I'm one of our pastors here. Um, And it was funny when I was emailing with Sarah back and forth um, about the scripture for tonight, she kind of came back with the set list like almost immediately. And it was the themes were were pretty perfect to what we're going to be talking about tonight. So there was some sort of um, spirit work at, at work there, so I am thankful for, for that band um, who's taking a break, but I am still thankful for them. Um, and thankful for you to see you guys tonight. Um, normally, I would give you a few minutes to grab a snack or coffee and pass the peace of Christ, and I'm still going to let you do that. Don't worry. Cookies are available. Um, but I want to ask you um, to do a specific thing tonight when you pass the peace of Christ. Um, Instead of saying the peace of Christ to one another, I want you to sub in a word for peace. Something that you think means the same thing. So I'm not going to give you any examples because I don't want to clog your brain. Um, But I'll call us back in a few minutes and uh, we're going to gather around John 14. So, pass the peace. I hate to break up the good conversation, but I'm going to ask you to gather back around the middle and grab your coffee and snacks. Go ahead and take a seat. I'm going to go ahead and assume how um, everybody was probably talking about Cinco de Mayo and how this is exactly what you picture weather-wise when you picture Cinco de Mayo, right? This is like screams of beach and margaritas and all that fun stuff. Okay, before I ask what word or phrase you subbed in, I want to ask somebody to read the text. Can I have somebody read John 14, 23 through 29? Jesus answered him, Those who love me will keep my word, and my Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words. And the word that you hear is not mine, but is from the Father who sent me. I have said these things to you while I am still with you. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you everything and remind you of all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not let them be afraid. You heard me say to you, I am going away, and I am coming to you. If you love me, you would rejoice that I am going to the Father, because the Father is greater than I. And now I have told you this before it occurs, so that when it does occur, you may believe. Thanks, Sarah. Okay, so really quick, just kind of in a shout-out form, shout-out some of the words that you subbed for peace or that you heard somebody sub. Great. I had Chad up with this one. May the soul patch be with you. <laughs> awesome. He's trying to be Josh Clark. <laughs> Are we all? Love. Others. Confidence. Confidence. Peace. So there's only one, there's only peace to sub in. Peace. Refreshment. Grace. Grace. Forgiveness. Forgiveness. Any others? Anyone that you, oh, we haven't heard yet? Joy. Joy. Did you guys actually say these, or did you just think of them now and then say them? <laughs> I would do that. So when I did this exercise by myself, um, the words that I came up with were pretty like feel goody, kind of emotion based, lovey dovey, kind of zen words. I don't know if. So you guys did better than me in that you got to grace and you got to settlement of Christ. You took it a step further. But 
uh, hold on to these words for a couple minutes, and we'll come back to them. Um, So in our text this week, we see uh, and hear Jesus' departing words to his disciples. I want us to talk more about what peace entails and also what does it mean that Christ leaves us with peace as a parting gift. He leaves that to his disciples and to us. Um, Josh pointed out at our text meeting this week that the words in John 14, verse 27, are actually the words of institution in the Catholic Church um, when they, before they pass the peace of Christ. So a priest would say, my peace, or Christ, as Christ has said, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. And so it's clear that the church has latched onto these um, and that we should latch onto these as important. Um, but like many of you, when I think of peace, um, the idea kind of, think it, it come, almost comes out of thin air, like a uh, certainly not of my own making arrival, right? It's almost like a descending, something that appears and kind of restores calmness. But I'm wondering if there's more to peace than that. And I think there is, and I think that the text this week gives us some good direction. What is this peace of Christ that Jesus promises us? First, I think we have to put ourselves in the shoes of the disciples here. I mean, what the heck must have they been thinking when Jesus says, But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you everything and remind you of all that I have said to you. I don't know what they were thinking, but I think I would have said, hold up a minute, the advocate will teach us everything? So these like past couple years, those were like a primer, those were prologue, like Jesus, can't you just stay? If the advocate is coming in your name, could you just stay here and we can forget about you leaving and someone else coming? No one likes goodbyes. Let's just keep things as they are. But as we've talked about a great deal through Easter, what Jesus is talking about is that his leaving must occur. His death and resurrection, they do something that an equilibrium would not do. In order for this advocate to come to bring life, Jesus must move through death. Now, there's something else I want to touch on on in this text, and that's this idea of God's presence. We hear Jesus say that through his leaving, another will be sent in his place, the advocate. But earlier in the text, Jesus also says that those who love him and the Father, those are the people that God will make God's home with. Make God's home with. So if the Father is sending the Holy Spirit in Jesus' name, and the Father and Jesus make their home among people they love, What would it look like for us to think of the Holy Spirit not as friendly ghost or powerful flames, but as homemaker? One who dwells among those she loves. One who is God and person and spirit and peace. In this text, Jesus is leaving us with the advocate and with his peace. And I think think it's pretty easy for us to think about the arrival of the Holy Spirit as kind of this, like, I don't know, bronze medal of God. Since we had to anger God and we had to kill Jesus, I guess the Spirit will do. Like, I guess we'll accept that. It's pretty good. It's pretty okay replacement. And not only that, but I think that we think of the Spirit as in charge of spirity things. You know, feelings and emotions and, like, calm lakes, zen gardens, and wind. We'll give the Spirit wind. That's, that's pretty good. But Jesus is saying, no, the one who is coming after me is the one who makes a home among you. The one that travels through death to dwell among you and bring life. And we talk a lot at Mace Way about finding God's redemption and joining with that redemption. So when we talk about that, I mean, I'm guilty of this too. I say, you know, what is God at work? How is God at work in the world? How is Jesus at work in the world? Because when we say the Holy Spirit... People either think, okay, weirdo, charismatic, who, you know, hears voices, maybe sees tongues of fire, or isn't that sweet, like spirity spirit, doing spirity things as God's, like, understudy? 
But the redemption that we talk about seeing, the great acts of peace and justice that I hear from your lips and from your stories each week, this is the advocate moving. This is the movement of God from life to death and life once again. So if we get there, if, if, okay, I remember thinking this week, like, can I sit with the Holy Spirit as homemaker? Can I do that? Is that, is that where we end? Is that where we're done? And unfortunately, I'm afraid not. Because we've come to think of homemaking as something that we do because we have to do it. Because somebody has to feed the kids, somebody has to do the laundry, somebody has to tend the yard, right? We think that these things often as dull or repetitive, boring, and even our society kind of you know, reflects that. Homemaking has been relegated to lesser work, work for women, work for people of color. There's work that we want done, but don't want to do it. So some of you may be asking, how then is the Holy Spirit as homemaker a redemptive thing? And so for some clarity and to give you a hint behind the scenes of where I, how I was thinking about this, um, I want to share a passage from Kathleen Norris's um, Quotidian Mysteries. I don't know if anybody has picked up this. It's a really small, short book. Um, it's called Quotidian Mysteries, Laundry Liturgy, and Women's Work. And these are, that's in quotations. It's in like air quotes. So. Um, but her basic premise is that the quotidian or this everyday commonplace activities, whether that be laundry or liturgy, these are the places that redemption and transformation occur. So if you'll uh, let me read to you, I'll read you a passage that explains it pretty well. She writes, It is an ordinary life that our stories unfold. Tales of conceiving, bearing, and giving birth. Of trial and death and rising to new life. Out of the ashes, out of the old. Stories of annunciation, incarnation, resurrection, and the spirit. The giver of life, who has spoken through the prophets and enlivens our faith. As wondrous as these mysteries are, Christianity is inescapably down-to-earth and incarnation. I say inescapably, as most of us at one time or another try to avoid the implications of an incarnational faith. The Christian religion asks us to place our trust not in ideas, and certainly not in ideologies, but in a God who is vulnerable enough to become human and die, and who desires to be present to us in our everyday circumstances. And because we are human, it is the realm of the daily and the mundane that we must find our way to God. So I think what Norris is getting at um, is that in opening ourselves to and embracing the kind of repetitive, everyday repetitions of homemaking, we actually are allowing the spirit to move. The advocate that makes a home among us is not some sort of calling out of thin air, but it is a joining of God to God's people, a recognition of the holy among the mundane, a recognition of the mundane as holy. Rather than the communion of the Holy Spirit being just an individual practice, it is in the very everyday, repetitive life lived out in community that the Holy Spirit is active. Now, you've probably seen this done in your life. Like I said, there's stories that I've heard that, um, that speak to this, and I've heard them from you. Um, but I want to ask you that question. How have you seen acts of everyday homemaking or peacemaking, everyday resurrection, a redemption in your own life. And that can also be in the lives of others. How have you seen other people live that out? someone uh, taking care of someone who's ill, either short-term or long-term, 
there is kind of this acknowledgement, yes, they're doing a wonderful thing, but when you get down to it, a lot of it's mundane. Mm -hmm. Helping someone to the bathroom or you know, cleaning up for them. It's, it's heroic, yet mundane. That's a great example, Daniel. I can't think of something more kind of everyday and nitty-gritty than, than, than bathing, right? And then to kind of take that on and, and help bathe someone else. That's really beautiful. Others? We see in the scripture, you know, God is making a home among us. But for some reason, when we take that on ourselves, it becomes a lesser thing. And so I think that's really interesting, Mary Man, for, for someone to say, not only do I do this, but I enjoy doing this. And, you know, to find joy in that, I think, you know, Jesus talks about. So, like, just actually being in the being same place in the home, and everywhere else. right, living life, you know, waking up in the same home, yeah. going to bed in the same home. How those are huge things. Yeah. Yeah. Pick up on that. Uh, Sharon and I have been married for 32 years. We just celebrated 32 years. And the longer we're married, the more I think of what a blessing it is. Have that shared history, and we talk about the homemaking aspect and the, the uh, hospitality. You know, I think of uh, how uh, Lydia, the dealer of purple cloth, invited the Apostle Paul into her home, and we're about to host uh, her dad and father-in-law and uh, celebrate our daughter's uh, graduation from the School of Public Health at that other university. Across the county line. So um, I'm, I'm grateful for all these things. I think it does tie into the, having a spirit-filled life. Right, rather, we talked about this in text this week, rather than, you know, adding, you know, attending to the Holy Spirit as something extra to your life, of saying, what are the places that that's already happening, and calling them out. Yeah. 
he has benefited from this. But my mother, when I was about 10 years old, um, said, okay, you're going to get an education. I was in private school most of my life. We put this money out for you to get a good education. Now I'm going to teach you about being a wife and mother. Because, and I, heard, and I said, I don't want to be a career woman. I don't want to do that. And she said, this is how you show your family you love them. Because you don't get paid. It's done out of love. And a very different perspective on that it may be looked at as menial work, but it is the work of love. I think the wonderful thing about church life is that those boundaries are expanded, right? So we are allowed to tend to one another. Um, things that happen normally within maybe the confines of one home happen in a larger setting, and, and those are acts of love. It's great. Um, so I am not by any means a homemaker, um, but I happen to be home a lot of my time. Um, because of being in grad school and sitting in front of a computer for hours upon end. Um, and one thing I've been thinking about is, and we've recognized since we've moved into our, you know, our new house, is that um, I've actually got to know a lot of the neighbors before Sarah did, which is really funny because I'm an introvert and she's an extrovert. <laughs> um, but I've been, I've, there's something about the space and presence um, that changes the way that we live life. And just because I've been there, and when our, a neighbor comes and knocks on the door to ask for something, like I'm, I'm just actually there. Um, and even take that even a step further in working out in the you know, garden, um, you know, just planting a small garden at the time that I've spent out there and seeing people coming and going um, and getting to chat. That's where I, I've been starting to realize and see homemaking and being in that space as incarnational in a ministry of presence that is that can't happen when you don't kind of invest and spend time in that space. Yeah, was good. Um, so when I was a teacher, one of the things that I disliked the most was bringing patience. And it was very much a, you know, daily, Monday thing. And, um, you know, Students get their papers back. Often that's like, thank you. You know, you did this for me. <laughs> but you know, I I had this relationship with this elderly um, uh, lady um, who lived far away. I, it's a long story how we knew one another, but we would talk to each other from time to time, kind of share about a lot. Of um, one time I was, you know, I guess complaining about all the papers that I had in grade or whatever. And she said, you keep grading those papers. That's washing feet. She said, you know, you are, you know, that's that's a way that you're serving and caring for those students. And so um, I've always remembered her saying to me, like, you keep grading those papers. That's washing feet. You know, and I didn't always maintain that perspective. <laughs> but I, I think that was, a, that was a good word that, like, this mundane thing that I hated doing and I, that I did every day was an act of love and an act of service. And so all of you who are throwing papers this season and receiving papers back this season, you know, I'm sure there's some days that you would have rather washed some feet. That might have been done quicker and there might have been some more appreciation uh, for clean feet. Well, these are good and I know that we, there are more um, that we could share and talk about, and I want you to continue to kind of share those stories, especially as we go to the table. Um, I think that telling these stories is a huge part of the movement of the spirit in our community. Um, as we begin to kind of listen and, and tell, we begin to have kind of eyes to see and ears to hear what the spirit is doing in our community. So I asked you at the beginning, you know, to, to sub in a word for peace. And so I want to come back to that. What is what is the peace that Jesus leaves with us? How does peace play into this kind of everyday homemaking, everyday uh, peacemaking? We've actually talked about the passing of the peace before. I think I led a dialogue when we were doing through kind of this, the parts of the mass, the parts of our service, 
Um, we talked about the passing of the peace and why we do that. And, um, but I think it's important to kind of come back and remember that, um, just like we talk about the table each week. Why are these parts um, of the service in the service? Why are they here? Why do we continue to, to do them? Um, when we greet one another and we say, the peace of Christ to you, peace of Christ be with you, um, it's not some sort of summoning of some distant, not here spirit to descend on you. It's not like I'm saying, Josh, you look troubled. Here's a peace hat to put on and, and you'll be good. Um, and I'm giving that to you because out of my, my love and my goodness, here you go. Um, but no, it's, it's recognizing the presence and the peace of Christ in one another. So it's calling that out. It's saying, even on days that you don't perhaps feel it, saying, I see the peace of Christ in you, Lara. I see the hope of Christ in you, Sarah Kate. I see resurrection in you. I see hope in you. And I want to, is the band around? Can I invite them to come back up? It's just you. It's the, well, you are the band, Sarah. Um, Sarah's going to lead us in some songs of confession and absolution, and Tim will lead us into a call and response uh, prayer to invite us to the table. And I want us to remember that the table um, this week and, and every week is an extension of that peace that we pass to one another. In sharing this meal with one another and this actual pizza meal with one another tonight, um, we are enacting a home here. This is a place where God dwells. This is a place where the Holy Spirit dwells. And this is a place where everyday, ordinary things become holy. Amen. I borrowed one of my musicians from work and two from another church, so that's why it's just me. Lord, we need a new redemption song. Lord, we've tried. It just seems to come out wrong. Won't you help us, please? Help us just to sing along a new redemption song. A new
fantastic, Sarah. That's just great. The, uh, you know, I was thinking as you were singing that last chorus for us, you know, things like forgotten and singing and shaken and not forgotten. These are the things, peace, that happen in the presence of God. When God is present to us, those are the things we talk about. And in some ways that, uh, Amy and others, you've led us into this idea of what does it look like? What are the activities that happen around the presence of God when God is is near to us? And I was thinking tonight, um, you guys know I'm a huge fan of, of Henry Nowen. And, it, and there's a great phrase that I remember forever and ever is talking about the idea of, in, in his own yearning, he kept saying, you know, I want to be out out there. I want to be drinking too much. I want to be making foolish statements. I want to be having as much fun as I possibly can. And I rejoice in the people who are doing those things. But somebody has to be there when they come home. And, and, and in some way he made the point and he was phrasing that in the language of three things that we might do. And one was an act of repentance. Another was an act of getting over ridiculous self-righteousness. But he said the highest calling for persons in community is to act like God. And of course, that all comes from the story of the prodigal son, which is a great book. If you haven't read that one, I truly recommend it. But that image of being godlike, uh, being present at home, a, a receiving person, a receiving force, somebody who greets not with a lecture, not with a, if I we're out there to have been more fun, top this kind of story, but the person who just receives as people return, that's the type of person that defines a space as home-like. And in some ways, that's our task. We do that in our lives. We do that with our friends. We do it with people we love. And you know, that's hard enough, but we certainly do it with each other. And in some ways, one of the things that would be the greatest description of any community is in some way when I'm with you, I feel like I'm home. There is space for me. I am received and encountered. And in some way, I know a little bit about what the presence of God is all about because I've been in the presence of you. So it's a delight to work that out with you folks every week and throughout the years of our life together. And I remind us that the table that's set here has never been a metaphor in this community. It's never been something that reminds us of something that God did one time. And we're hoping and upon hoping that it might happen some other time, that God might be present to us at one moment in time or God will return. And we set that table every week and the mundane elements of bread and wine and juice is a reminder that the presence of God is with us now. The resurrection story lives with us. We are embodying that story. We are people of that story and we live the privilege of being a community that receives and makes this one place of many, many places where the homeness of God is lived out. So as I invite you to the table tonight, uh, take the back of your sheet there and uh, we have a call and response. Uh, your portion of this is in bold and, uh, and if you will read this with me, we will use that as our call to the table tonight from Psalm 67. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine upon us, that your way may be known upon earth, your saving power among all nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon earth. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let the people praise you. The earth has yielded its increase. God, our God, has blessed us. May God continue to bless us. Let all the ends of the earth revere him. Please be invited to this table and the table behind it, which I'm pretty sure will be filled with pizza at some point in time. So uh, may you encounter each other. We remind you that one of the ways that we exhibit the kingdom of God is by our encounters at the table where we receive each other's lives, whether this week was filled with pain or whether it was filled with some of the greatest things that you've ever encountered. But may you share those freely in the recognition that this is part of the homeness, the presence of God. Uh, Please go tonight in peace at the end of our meal or time together. Please be invited to stay with us for Ecclesia if you'd like. And uh, welcome to the table.